Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. But let's take our Bibles this morning, and let's go to Jonah and chapter number three. Jonah chapter three this morning, and this is a study that we've been in. Uh, 48 short verses, 48 verses through the book of Jonah. And of course, uh, the story of Jonah, one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. Even if, even if you didn't grow up in church, at some point you probably heard the story of Jonah. At some point, someone probably told you about the story of Jonah. I'm reminded of the uh, uh, little girl who was sitting in a, uh, <clears throat> in a class at school, and as she's sitting there in that class, uh, she, the teacher was teaching and talking about, about the fish and different things like that and, and different um, animals, and, and then she said, the teacher said, you know, boys and girls, she said, they, they say that, that you, could be, you could be swallowed by a fish and live, and the teacher said, but, but boys and girls, you need to know that that's, that's not true. That's impossible. And one little girl sitting in that class, she just raised her hand. She said, teacher, teacher, I'm sorry, but it is possible. The teacher kind of argued back, said, no, it's not, hon. I don't know where you got your information, but it is not possible. And that little girl said, yes, teacher, the Bible says that Jonah got swallowed by a fish. And that teacher said, well, you can't believe everything that's in the Bible, honey. And that little girl, she, oh, yes, you can. And she said, well, honey, I, I don't know what, what your parents would teach you, but you can't survive being swallowed by a fish. And that little girl, she said, well, Jonah did. And she said, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him about it. How did he live? And that teacher said, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? That little girl said, then you can ask him. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe you've had a teacher like that. Someone loaned me that joke, told me that joke recently, reminded me of it, and uh, they're here this morning, so you know who you are. Thank you. Uh, if, you if you go to the story of Jonah, one of these well-known passages in Scripture, uh, and yet the story of Jonah, when people, would be at, when people would be asked, well, what's the story of Jonah about? They would say, oh, it's about Jonah and the whale. It's about Jonah and a fish. And I would say, no. The story of Jonah is not about just Jonah and the fish. No. You know what the story of Jonah is about? It's about this truth that we serve a God of second chances. Hey, aren't you thankful we serve, God, we serve a God of second chances and third chances and 3,267 chances? Man, we serve a God of second chances. That's the series we're going through. The life of Jonah, an amazing story. Of course, Jonah, chapter number one, he's the son of Amittai. He's a prophet for the people of Israel, the Hebrew people. He'd actually, before the story of Jonah takes place, he's been a prophet for nearly 20 years. 20 years, Jonah has been prophesying to the people of Israel. And of course, you know, Amos and Hosea, uh, they were contemporaries of Jonah. They served at the same time. And their prophecy was a prophecy of kind of, we would term it doom and gloom. Man, they were the preachers that got up and they were just like, bless God, you've sinned and you're gonna be judged. And that was Amos and Hosea. Well, they were 100% correct. They, the people of Israel had sinned and judgment was coming. 
But the message that God gave Jonah, 2 Kings chapter number uh, 14, I believe. I always think it's 24, but I'm pretty sure it's 14. The message God gave Jonah was, hey, Jonah, I am going to judge my people, but tell them that I will restore them again to the land. Tell them I will help the crops grow again. Tell them, Jonah, tell the people that I am a merciful God and they need to repent and I am going to show mercy. I don't know about you, but that'd be a little more popular. I want to be Jonah preaching that message. Why? Because the people are like, Hosea and Amos, doom and gloom, Jonah, God will forgive us. I like that guy. So you'd expect Jonah had some popularity. Jonah was well known. But on this day, and what we know Jonah for, is Jonah chapter one and verse number two. Because the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go and cry against the city of Nineveh. And the Bible says that Jonah arose, but he went away from the presence of the Lord. Remember those of you that were with us just a few weeks ago, Jonah got up and he tried to run from God. He tried to run from God. God sent a storm. God sent sailors. God sent uh, the, uh, the wind upon the sea. And God did a lot to try to get Jonah's attention until finally Jonah chapter 1 and verse number 17, Jonah gets thrown overboard. He's willing to throw away his life before he follows God. And that's exactly what we do, isn't it? We throw away our life when we choose not to follow God. And that's what Jonah did. He was willing to do that. And yet God sent a fish. I love Jonah 1.17, now the Lord had prepared a fish. Remember, hey, do you think if Jonah could have written the script of his life, it would be, you know, I'm going to end up in the fish. That sounds like a plan. Let's do that. It wasn't, it wasn't that. We know running from God is never worth it. Number two, we saw that the time to seek God is now. God gave Jonah opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn back to him. And aren't we the same? We procrastinate good decisions that we know God wants us to make today. Hey, the time to seek God is now. Number three, we learned that turning back to God is simple. Jonah didn't pray some big eloquent prayer. He just simply said, God, I'm back. God, here I am. And then number four, we learned last week this principle that if you're breathing, there's hope. Hey, if there is still breath in your lungs, and we remember we did an exercise last week, we all did it. <gasps> hey, there's hope. Hey, there's hope. And I'm thankful we serve a God of second chances. But sometimes we need third chances and fourth chances. When we come to our passage today, I find really this is kind of the key of the entire book. It's God coming and giving Jonah this second chance. And what we're going to see today is what, what can happen. What can happen when we say yes to the second chance? But before we get there, the title I've given the message today is, is the phrase, let's, let's try this again. <laughs> you ever had somebody in your life that had that attitude with you? Uh, let's try this again. It's like one of my sisters, when she first got her license, she ran a stop sign right away. And I think she got a ticket. And dad was like, you know, if I'm the dad over my sister, <laughs> I would have taken that license away. But you know what dad did? He said, let's, let's try this again. Growing up in our home, I'm so thankful for my parents and uh, my mom's here. I'm going to say some flattering things because normally I kind of dig at my mom. I'm not going to do that today, okay? Uh, but my mom, was, uh, my mom was very militant about one thing in our house, many things, but this one thing in particular, laundry. You didn't hear me. My mom was militant about laundry, okay? When I was five years old, I sat in Laundry Education 101. 
I would sit in this class and she would say, do you see this hamper right here? Yes, ma'am. That is the regular whites hamper. What is that? Regular whites hamper. Do you see this hamper right here? Yes, ma'am. What is that? That is the grubby whites hamper. What is it? Grubby whites hamper. Okay. What is this? This right here. Mom would say this right here. This is all of your nice colored clothes. If you have something that's blue or red, that goes in here. That's nice. Now, this hamper right here, you know what this is? Grubby colored clothes. Fifth basket over here, you know what that is? That's towels and wash rags. Don't ever put towels and wash rags in with the colors. Don't ever put it in with the grubby whites. It does not go there. Do you understand? Yes, ma'am. Well, you know who probably didn't listen to that a lot? This guy right here. My mom didn't understand that I had a motive. See, because if I kept messing it up, I wouldn't have to do it. Exactly. Thank you. See, to this day, she still didn't get that motive. Man, I'm so thankful mom had this. She had this attitude and this, it's kind of, it's humorous, but it was, you know what? Okay, let's try it again. And she'd bring us back in. All right, you missed laundry class 101. Let's do laundry class 102. Let's go through this again. What is this, right? And she'd do that time and time again. I have tons of stories like that with my parents. I have tons of stories like that with school. See, I know this will surprise you. I know it will. Those of you that know me, it'll surprise you. I got good grades in school. That's not surprising, I know. <clears throat> but what will surprise you is that I got in trouble a lot in school. And I've told you this, every report card would say something like, Dennis can be a good student. Dennis can be good to have in class. Dennis can be this. And then at the bottom, it always said this, but Dennis is disruptive. Dennis is a talker. Dennis is the class clown. I'm like, why couldn't they put can be right there? They were, they was always definitive on that. But you know what my teachers always did? They always gave me that second chance. I remember specifically Miss K, 10th grade English. I, could, I should have got kicked out of 10th grade English from day two. I'm just saying that. Because it finally came down where Miss, Miss K, Miss Kruger was her name, and she said, Dennis, if you don't stop misbehaving in my class, I am going to have to kick you out. And that, that hit home until the next day. <laughs> and then it was gone. And then I'm sitting in class, messing around with some of the friends in class, and I hear, Dennis! And then it hit me. She gave me something yesterday. What'd she say? What'd she say? What'd she say? And I'll be honest, Miss K should have kicked me out of her class multiple times, but you know what I ended up getting? An A in her class. You say, well, what a nice teacher. No, I was a great student. No, you're wrong. You're... <laughs> What a nice teacher. Hey, second chances. Aren't you thankful for second chances? Do you know why we need second chances? Because we say no to the first time. In your life and my life, we serve a God who is truly about second chances. So this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the next few minutes and I wanna show you from the Bible what can happen. What happens when we say yes to the second chance? What happens when God says, okay, let's try this again? What happens when we actually choose to follow him the second time? Take your Bible with me. Let's go to Jonah chapter three and verse number one. Stand with me if you would. Jonah chapter three and verse number one. <clears throat> and the word of God says this in Jonah chapter three, verse number one. It says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, arise, 
and go into Nineveh, that great city, and, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So what did Jonah do? He arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh, it was an exceeding great city of, of a three days journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a, a day's journey, and he cried. He, he began to preach and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And so because of this, the people, what did they do? The people of Nineveh, they believed God. And they proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloth and ashes, and from the greatest of them, even unto the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and, and he arose and he arose from his throne, he laid his robe from him, and he covered him with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh. Now it's on the social media, now it's going out in the newspapers, and here's what he's saying, by decree of the king and his nobles, here's what I'm saying to you, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. And who can tell? Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God, God looked and he saw their works, that they turned from their evil way and, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. We're not gonna look at it very much today, but when it says that God repented of the evil that he would have done to them, in our minds, we read that and it's like, oh no, God was going to do bad things. No, the idea is this, God was going to destroy them, but to repent, it just means to turn. So here's what God did. I was going to destroy you, but now I turn and I give you grace and mercy. I'll just say this, when we get to heaven, we're gonna be surprised at how many times that God said, I was going to do this, but I'm a God of mercy. What happens when you and I say no? The first time, I'm thankful that we serve a God of second chances, but what could happen when you say yes? Hey, this week, when you say yes to God at work, what, what could happen? That's what we're gonna discuss right now. Let's pray, ask God to help us with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you, in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray? And would you just ask God, God, would you please speak to me today? God, would you please speak to me today? And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you today. God, would you please speak to me today? And if you speak to me, I am listening to you. Dear Lord, I just want to come before you today and <clears throat> just want to say that I love you. I'm thankful for your word. Thankful how, how, for how you have used this passage to help me and God, I pray that today you would convey that through me to your people, that each one of us would hear from you. I pray, God, specifically, if there's someone that is in here or maybe on our on live stream today, then uh, they don't know if they died today, they'd go to heaven. I pray that you'd help them today to uh, put their faith and their trust in you, to see the forgiveness and grace that is offered to each one of us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd bless, help us right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. I want to start this morning by, by kind of bringing out a, a very quick principle before we get into the message, and that is this. If you look at Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 3, we, we read, we 
read these words. So Jonah, he arose and went on Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. This is the second time that God spoke to Jonah. My question to you is this. Is it good that Jonah is following God the second time? Okay, let's, let's all be in agreement. Let's try to get on the same page. I'll help you out. Yes. Okay, ready? Let's try it again. Is it good that Jonah is obeying and following God the second time? Okay. All right, good. The second time is great. But here's the principle I just want to bring out very quickly. It would have been better the first time. Okay, it would have been better the first time. And here's why. Where is Jonah now? I mean, think of all that Jonah has endured. If Jonah would have obeyed God and followed God the first time, he would have saved his money to get on a boat to go to Tarshish. He would have saved his money and his effort to go from Gath Hefer to Tarshish, if, or to Joppa to Tarshish. If he uh, had obeyed God and followed God the first time, he wouldn't uh, have been in a storm. He wouldn't have been thrown overboard. He wouldn't have fish guts all over him right now. So Jonah, it would have been good for him to obey the, the first time. It would have been easy it, would have been, it wouldn't have been easy, but it would have been better. And here's the very first thought I just want to bring out today is this, that obedience and following is not always easy, but it would have been best or better been easier the first time. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because I think that if we're not careful, there are times in your life and my life when we depend upon the second time. <sighs> you know, I really know God wants me to do that, but uh, I'm going to kick that can down the road a little bit. You ever said wait to God? You know what wait is? No. Man, there's times in my life I know when God says, Dennis, do this, and I go, okay, I'll do it tomorrow. Hey, can I just say that it's, it's, not, always, it's not always easy to follow God, but it's always easier the first time. But some of us are numbskulls. What do you mean? Some of us, we just, you know, there's sometimes we got a thick head and we don't, we don't follow him the first time. And so we have to follow him the second time. What can happen when you and I choose to follow God? I want you to notice with me a couple of things today from our passage of what can happen when we say yes to the second chances. Number one, I want you to see this, that there can be a domino effect. When you and I say yes to God the second time, it could be a domino effect. Look at our passage and I want you to notice a few things about it. If we come to it in our passage, Jonah, he says yes to God. He, he travels to Nineveh. Now, we would look, the ancient city of Nineveh, you can look it up online. They're finding ruins right now and excavating a lot of Nineveh. It's been taking place over the last uh, couple dozen years or so. But Jonah goes to this great city, Nineveh, and he travels all the way to it. Now, we read, and we've already talked a little bit about the city of Nineveh and how, how wide it was and maybe how many square feet it was and how many acres it was. But the Bible says it this way that it was an exceeding journey of, of three days. Well, well, we would read that. We'd say, okay, well, what, what does that mean? It was a journey of three days. And some people would say, oh, that, that means that it was three days from where he was. No, what it means is Jonah was, or Jonah, Nineveh was so large. Nineveh was such a large place that it would take the average person three days to travel through it. That's how large Nineveh was. Now, there's a bunch of debates about the population of Nineveh. 
God says in, in uh, um, Jonah chapter 4, verse number 11, God says that there was 120,000 people that, that were of a knowledge there. But many scholars believe that at the time with travel and everything, while there maybe would have been 120,000 grown adults that made a decision, or, or maybe that would be people that had the opportunity to decide for their homes or whatever the case may be, that with men, women, children, traveling, everything, there would be up near 500,000 people in Nineveh. Well, here's what happens. The story tells us Jonah, he walks one day into the city and then he begins to cry out. 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then what takes place? Well, we read it just a minute ago. Verse number five of Jonah three, the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They proclaim a fast. They put on sackcloth. And look at this. Look at the last phrase and don't miss it. From the greatest of them, even to the least of them. Hey, you know what happened? This is incredible. Don't miss it. A whole city turned to God. A domino effect. Hey, Jonah said yes to God. And you know what that caused? That caused other people to say yes to God. We're going to see this principle a few times repetitiously this morning, repetitively this morning. But the fact is this, that when you choose to follow God, it may result in other people making the same choice. I want you to think with me about the times in scripture that someone chose to follow God and it sparked faith in somebody else. I just finished the book of Nehemiah, studying it out last month. You know what the book of Nehemiah is about? It's about one man's faith that sparked faith in a whole community. Here's Nehemiah coming to the people of Israel saying, hey, listen, I've heard that the walls are broken down and your, your testimony is ruined. Hey, let's do something. And here's what God has showed me and here's what God has done in my life. And Nehemiah just recounts to them all the the blessings that God has done in his life. And you know what the people say? You can look it up, Nehemiah chapter two, verses 17 and 18. It says that the people with one mind and one spirit, with unity, they said, hey, we believe that. Let's do it. Let's rise up and build. And so they strengthened. They, they, they leaned into the Lord and they got, they got all the equipment and they began to build and the city walls were done in just a matter of weeks and God won a great victory. Where did that start? It started in the heart of a king's servant who said, yes, God. Hey, you know what? When you say yes to God, you never know the domino effect that it could have. I think of other stories like the story of Paul in the New Testament. I think of Mordecai in the Old Testament. Mordecai saying, hey, Esther, for such a time as this, God has a plan for you. And Esther said, okay, I believe that. I'll lean on your faith. And God used that to save a nation. I think about Philip in the New Testament going from where he was ministering near Jerusalem and traveling and ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch. And then that would cause a revival in Ethiopia that history tells us about. But then you can go and you can find that, uh, that Philip went to Joppa, the city, the, the sea city of, of Joppa. And 20 years later, do you know who the faithful pastor was at the church at Joppa? It was Philip just striving and, and serving God. And here's what God did. God used that to encourage Paul later on. You say, pastor, why are you, what's the history lesson? What's the Bible? lessons for. It's just the, the fact that this book is filled with people who said yes to God a second time. And you know what happened? It caused a domino effect. Hey, I wonder who in your life would be affected if you said yes. Hey, dad, your family would be affected. Hey, mom, your kids would be affected. Hey, your, your friends might be affected. Those coworkers, those teachers, hey, the retirees that you hang out with and get coffee with, hey, your grandkids, 
The fact of the matter is, we never know the effect that could happen if we would just say yes to God. Hey, when you say yes, when I say yes, God promises to use it as a domino effect. Jesus even preached this in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What was Jesus saying? Hey, when you use your life for me, it is going to have a domino effect in the lives of others. Number two, when we say yes to God, take advantage of our second chances, we need to know this, that God can work in unimaginable ways. Hey, God could do some miraculous things when you and I simply say yes. If you go to our passage in, in our Bibles, uh, depending upon what Bible you're looking at this morning, uh, it, it's probably a six to eight word message. It's a six to eight word message. And using this, it says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown that he preaches and says. But in the Hebrew, it's actually only four or five words, depending upon how you translate it, four or five words. Now, did Jonah say more? Probably. Context would lead us to believe that he went around preaching, but the, 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 the summary of the message was these few words. But nonetheless, the Lord didn't record the long message that he had. He recorded eight words. He recorded four or five words in Hebrew. And Jonah preached a five-word message and saw a great revival. I know what some of you are thinking. Pastor, you should try that. When people repent, I will. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, five words. Five words. And what happens? I love it. Jonah spoke five words and an entire city turned to him. Man, it was just, that's, that's what God recorded. Now, again, could it have been more words? Yes, but here's what God was saying. And here's something simple that we can understand. Hey, when you say yes to God... God not only can use that to affect the individuals around you, but God could use that to work in an unimaginable way. You don't know the ultimate impact of what could take place. We read the verses just a minute ago, but verse number five down through verse number nine tells us that the, the king hears and that it's small to great. And you look at, the, at who repents at the end of uh, verse, number, verse number five. It says that, they repented from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. What does that mean? Smallest to greatest, beggar to king, youngest to oldest, the, the worst to the least worst. They all repented. They didn't know if God would show mercy. If you look at verse number, uh, verse number nine, the king says, hey, let's all repent. Verse eight, who can tell if God will, if God will show us mercy? They didn't know, and yet they still repented. They didn't know, and yet they still turned back to him. And the fact is this, that when we choose to follow God, we never know what the end result will be. There are countless stories in Scripture. There are countless stories in Scripture where someone said yes to God, and it just affected a ton of people. There's countless stories in history. If you study American history, the first great awakening happened because a few people said yes to God. The second great awakening happened because a few people said yes to God. The Welsh revivals in the early 1900s happened because of a young little girl that said, I want to pray, and a pastor that said, okay, let's get our church together, and let's just pray, and, and then God brought about a great revival, and you can go to time and time again throughout history, and you can see an unimaginable effect because of one person that just simply said yes. So while you and I need to know there is a 
domino effect. It can trickle down. Pastoring this morning in Republic, Washington, been there for almost 30 years or maybe just past 30 years. Greg Perkins, Hannah's dad, he trusted Christ because his sister just said, hey, Greg, God doesn't approve. You need to get right with him. And she kind of got after him a little bit. He said, I don't want, Leslie, I don't want anything you have. And she kept staying after him until one day, Greg in his truck driving down the road realized, I need God, pulled over, pulled over on the side of the road, didn't have anybody with him and just simply said, God, I need you. I don't know what to say. I just want to say, I believe I need you. And now he's been pastoring for over 30 years. He's led hundreds and thousands to Christ. Her mom got saved because of a coworker that nonchalantly would just talk about Jesus and tell her about Christ. I think about my family and my my parents' family and how all of my dad's side of the family came to the Lord because of a bus worker that simply invited a five and a six-year-old to come to church. And because of that, their dad trusted Christ and he went at at the age of 29 years old, said, okay, I'm gonna go and be a pastor. And he started or revitalized over 30 churches in the West Coast, my great-grandfather. We have, we have right now, I can count six or seven people in our family that are serving the Lord on my dad's side of the family because of that decision. I look at my mom's side of the family, trusted Christ because of Sunday school teachers that just sat down every week and told the stories to, these, to, to a few little kids in that class and a little old country church in, in Tennessee or Kentucky or something like that. And somebody would say, oh, well, what's going to happen with that little girl? And not realize that that little girl grew up and served at a church of 7,000 and ran the nurseries for over 40 years. And you say, well, pastor, what are you saying? I'm just simply saying today that when you and I say yes, you never know the flood effect that God could do. Hey, don't discredit the unimaginable ways that your God can work. Do you think the disciples thought, oh, yeah, we're gonna heal people when Jesus said this, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I don't think they were like, oh man, I see great things in store. We're gonna turn the world upside down. They didn't think that. They just said, this is the Messiah. Hey, when you say yes to God, when you follow him, it can have a domino effect. It could have a flood effect. You don't know the unimaginable things that could happen. But thirdly today, I want you to see this. It may cause others to seek God. And you say, well, pastor, doesn't that kind of go along with those other two thoughts? It does, but I really want to focus in on one thing. Did you see in the passage when it said that the king sent out a decree that all the beasts of the field should put on sackcloth. Everybody, that's in the passage. Go and look at it. He, he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. No eating. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And then cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence in their hands. Well, what's the king doing? I mean, did, did, the, did the animals sin? Were they great wicked people? No. No, here's what the king said. The animals, I didn't, I didn't learn all this until studying for this message. It was kind of curious to me. And as I was studying, I learned this and thought, man, what a helpful thought. You know what the animals represent? They represented their economy. You see, they didn't have, you know, tractors and move things around by vehicles and all of that. No, their economy was based on the livestock. We're kind of feeling that right now, right? With the price of eggs, people are like, ah, our economy is based on livestock too. Man, you know what? You know what the king was doing? 
He said, I don't care what this does. I don't care how this affects us. Stop everything. Look to him. And then it says, repent of the violence that is on your hands. What was Nineveh known for? Those of you that have been here with us, what were they known for? Violence. They were a very violent people. Right, They would go in and they would completely decimate an area. They would completely destroy it, kill men, women, and children, and do, do absolutely unthinkable things to their, to their prisoners. Here's what the king is doing. You know what he's doing? He's saying, stop everything. I don't care what the price of gas is. I don't care what the price of eggs are. I don't care about a Chinese balloon. I don't care about what's going on. You know what he's saying? Stop everything. We need him. Hey, you know what would do our country good right now? Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's do it better. You know what would do our city good right now? Let's do even better than that. You know what would do your family good right now? Do you know what would do you good right now? It's if you would just stop everything and just realize God, I need you. Hey, this week, you know what you're gonna do? Get up and get ready for work. You're gonna go to work. You're gonna do your thing and punch in, punch out. You're gonna go to lunches this week. You're gonna do your appointment this week. You're gonna maybe come to church tonight. We're gonna go to church next Sunday. We're gonna do our checklist and we're gonna do it all. Hey, listen, where are the people that just simply say, we need God? Hey, I don't care what else happens. I don't care. I do not care. And listen, I mean this with all my heart today. I want this to be our church's heart as we even look forward to a new building. I'm excited about a building, but you know what? I don't want a new building more than I want God. We need God. Hey, you know what our country needs? We need God. You know what, you know what your family needs and our community needs? We need God. Well, pastor, we need this program and that program. Hey, all of those things are great, but your family right now, you need God. You don't need another sports league. Hey, you don't need another sign-up thing for your kids. You don't need another extracurricular activity. Oh, all those things are good. And pastor today is not saying don't be involved in the community. I'm saying you need, you need God. I need more business. I need, more, I need more, more money for my 401k. I need more savings. I need more cars. I need more houses. No, 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 no. Those things may be good, and those things may be a way that God uses you, but you need God. And you know what can happen when you say, God, I need you? It may cause someone else to say, God, I need you. Hey, you never know what can happen. You never know what could be restored if you just simply said, God, I need you. I think about right now, the John chapter four, the woman at the well. Here's what the people said to her. Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and we know that this indeed is Christ, the Savior of the world. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well, and, and he begins to expound upon who he is, and she trusts him, and she goes back to the city, and as she's telling people in the city about Christ, many people there believe, but there was a group there that they said, we don't want to believe just because of what you say. We want to believe because we want to seek him for ourselves. Hey, I wonder if there are people around you that would say, wow. I need your God. I wonder if your life would convey to them, wow, I want his God. I want her God. I'm just simply saying today that when we choose to follow God a second time, when we choose to say yes on that second chance, it may cause other people to seek him. But lastly today, before we close, I want to say this, regardless of when we follow God, 
Whether you follow God the first time, the second time, or the 3,247th time, you gotta know this, that following God always starts with humility. Following God always starts with humility. We've seen this a few times, but it bears repeating in our story with Jonah. For Jonah to truly follow God, do you know what he had to do? He had to humble himself. He had to come to the end of himself. For Jonah to seek God, do you know what he had to do? Hey, he had to come to the end of Jonah. You know know what needed to happen for the Ninevites? They had to humble themselves. You know what's gonna happen to you this week? If you wanna really follow God, you gotta humble yourself. You know what Pastor Dennis needs to do this week if I really wanna follow God? I gotta humble myself. Because the fact is this, that we will, we will never truly follow God if we're living in pride. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Oh, listen. Oh, listen. We could be people all the time that say, yeah, yes for second chances. Woo, yeah, I love second chances. Yeah, we serve a God of second chances. But if you have pride in your second chance, you know what God says? Uh, nope. Hey, no matter when you say yes to God, if you say yes in humility, God always says, I'll honor that. Oh, it may not work out like you plan. It may not be the way that that you and I see it being, but here's the simple truth. When you say yes to God from a humble heart, when I say yes to God from a humble heart, God says, now I can work. God says, okay, now now I'm gonna do, hey, hey, just watch what I do. Hey, just watch, just watch the domino effect take place. Oh, you, you can't even imagine what I'm about to do. Hey, you know what your life is gonna do? Your life is gonna cause others to seek me. But all of that starts with you and I just saying, God, it's not about me. God, I'm, I'm done being on the throne. God, it's all about you. 